Welcome to another episode of Outside Perspective. I am your host, Adam Meredith. Hey guys, listen, I'm just sitting down with some interesting humans and I'm just trying to gain some perspective. So I appreciate you guys joining me for the ride. This episode is brought to you by St. Louis Deck and Fence. Go to stldeckandfence.com to check them out. Listen, if you're if you're local to St. Louis and you are in the market for a deck or a fence, check these guys out, man. They're doing high-quality work, top-of-the-line craftsmanship. I'm definitely using them when I put in my privacy fence here soon. If you've been following along, I've been remodeling my house for the last, like, four and a half five months or so now and uh we're finally coming to a close it feels so good (sighs) i can breathe i have some freeze me up to do some other things but there's still like a million little honeydews that i have to do around the house but these guys are for sure going to be helping me put in my fence 100 percent. check them out tell them i sent you they will take care of you for sure also, we're brought to you by my good friends over at Jumbo Superfoods. Go to jumbocbd.com. Check out their full line of products. Listen, they have topicals. They have sprays. They have drops. They have things for both you and the pets. It's all high-quality shit, top-of-the-line, premium ingredients. They use a third-party laboratory for testing so you know you're not getting any of the fillers, any of the junk. You know that what is in there is quality. Check them out, jumbocbd.com. Use the code OUTSIDE when you check out. You'll save 20%. Also, listen, hey, listen, check this out. For all of our listeners, for you guys, you guys are getting 20% off when you use the code OUTSIDE. But they're damn near always doing buy two, get one free. So what does that mean? You put two in your cart, they'll give you a third one. You'll save 20% off of that whole thing. Boom, that's a win-win for everybody, and that's for you guys. Merry Christmas. We love you all. Go to jumbocbd.com and use the code outside when you check out. My guest today, I sit down with Craig Kohler. He is a co-host of the Hoosier Sophisticate show. They are on the radio. They also do... uh, live internet shows and broadcast that these guys are are great and i will tell you guys we talk quite a bit about psychedelics on this one and you know we were talking a little bit off camera and to his point man i think it's important to normalize these conversations because it's these compounds these plant medicines these substances these things are helping so many people mdma LSD, uh, psilocybin, a lot of people are getting so many benefits from these and it's important to have these conversations so people do understand, you know, what is available and uh, man, it's it was just great to sit down and talk with Craig, so here we go guys, let's gain some perspective with Craig Kohler. What? (sighs) Dude, I just, it's like, I don't know, I'm feeling all lethargic. (laughs) 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 All right, we're rocking and rolling, Craig Kohler. 
Let's do this. I know, man. Um, you're without your better half. Yeah, well. Is it your better half? I don't know. Sometimes it feels like an anchor. No, but that's good, though, <laughs> because <laughs> Cause now we can just sit here and we can have a serious talk. We have a real serious talk. No <laughs> dick jokes. Uh, uh, nothing about uh, defecating in his wife's privates. Anything like that. I feel, I've just a little call back to our first episode with you. But, yeah, uh, dude. Get, <laughs> good fucking times. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that fucking wild card, man. Yeah. I love him. He keeps me like he he keeps things interesting for me for sure. I'm surprised you guys are able to be on the radio. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's uh, <laughs> we it's it it helps to have a, a producer that's kind of on it, you know. But uh, we are actually we're pretty good about walking that line. Um, and now that we're doing kind of an uncensored presentation. You know, yeah. uh, online, we kind of can get some of those wiggles out a little bit. Yeah, how many online shows are you? Oh, those are separate than the radio shows, right? Yeah, so yeah. actually the, the radio just went through, a, the station just went through a buyout. So um, all new ownership. We've, had, we've been on about a two-month sabbatical from, from terrestrial radio, um, which has been kind of nice. It's given us an opportunity to kind of ramp up, you know, the, the online show, do a little bit more with some visuals. The fans react the fans reactions to it have been great, you know? Yeah. Um, I still, I still, I still want that presence on terrestrial radio, um, for reasons that are kind of, uh, they have nothing to do with the idea of radio. Like it, it's for me, it's more about who I'm potentially reaching that I otherwise wouldn't be. I know who I'm reaching online. I'm reaching like-minded people. And one of the scariest thoughts for me with our show is that we just start to exist in this vacuum, in this echo chamber of like-minded people, and we're never really challenging thought, you know? Yeah. Um, but now with this new ownership, and before the old ownership, the station was primarily um, like gospel radio on one side of the building, and then on the other side of the building was kind of some sports talk, kind of some business talk. It was just really kind of a, a you know, a mix-up of, of a bunch of different things. But now with the new... Uh, station ownership it sounds like they're going to have um you know a bunch of uh conservative talk radio so you might have sean hannity on there or glenn beck or whatever and then you're also going to have sec football so to me like it's like a kink of mine to think about possibly being sandwiched in between those things where you know joe and ledoux might be listening to you know, uh, Glenn Beck say something, and then all of a sudden Terrence McKenna comes in and starts talking about ENT, <laughs> and then we go over to Alabama Auburn. You know, like to me, I I love the idea of who I might be getting to. Yeah, so. just that whole flow. So the, yeah, you just like the idea that people will just kind of stumble across you that weren't that wouldn't otherwise totally. do that. Totally. I mean, there's there's other benefits. You know, just having a studio when when big wigs, big hitters come to town, having that space, that professional space. It's yeah. It gives you a little bit of uh, cachet, I guess, a little bit. That's nice, especially when you're sitting down with people, right? Just totally. to have like a good space to, totally. to do that in. Yeah, man, we interviewed, you know, Senate or you know, Senate candidates last year. I mean, yeah. we had people come in, authors. It's a lot easier than saying, "Hey, come to my basement." You know, <laughs> <laughs> ignore the gimp in the corner; he'll get you a drink if you're thirsty. But um, <laughs> you know, no, it's it's just it adds just a little bit of uh, professionalism. Yeah, there. professionalism. For sure. Yeah, no, I can dig it. I can dig it. Do your radio, so your episodes, you guys record those, right? And then you re- release those as well as a podcast. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Well, actually, that's we've kind of what we've been doing online. We've uh, they haven't been released as podcasts. We have a bunch of there hasn't been a podcast released since the thirtieth of September. Hmm. Um, but 
we just recorded a just a bitch and one out in Kansas City with a good buddy of mine um, who I've done some medicine ceremonies with who every time I talk to the dude's just profound you know just profound yeah um so we had like a three hour sit down with him that i'll I'll release as a bonus probably next week all right on and then we'll get back into rolling out um it'll be more of an internet show that's gonna air i mean an internet show excuse me an interview show yeah um on terrestrial radio yeah um it'll be a little bit more all squeezed within an hour a little bit more kind of uh facts hitting you um something that people can go and get some quick clips yeah so that's really your focus for sure Yeah. yeah And we'll see what we do with the internet show. I mean, it could be released as a as a podcast as well, but we've got a lot of visual stuff that's happening with it as well that might kind of miss the podcast crowd a little bit. So. Yeah, you could save those and just release those on YouTube. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they're on they, they they are on YouTube. They're are just they? not on any iTunes or anything like that. So. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, cuz I know you have a YouTube channel. I just didn't know you're also cuz you're doing those lives on Facebook, right? Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, all at the same time? Twitter. Oh, so you're just like broadcasting to all those at once. Yeah, we broadcast to like four or five different oh, different right deals. And then it's I just didn't know you could do that. Yeah, for Fuck, sure. Dude. dude. You need to be on it for sure. Oh, wow. Yeah, because it's just one live stream. And Twitter's actually probably the one we need to be, you know, really focusing on. Cause Which one? Twitter. Twitter? I mean, with Periscope. Because you can, I mean, you can get to anybody. And the right person sees you, man. Like, I think it's it affords you the most uh, chance of going viral with, with your content. Really? I think so. I didn't know that. And I've never been a Twitter guy. Like, yeah, I'm not I just a got on Twitter like three, four months ago. Yeah. You know, but uh, and, at, at Steve's, you know, recommendation. Because mm-hmm. I think that's kind of where, you know, Steve's got his, uh, his persona kind of grew out of an AM radio show, calling in, writing emails, and, uh, and then kind of having a following on Twitter. And so he, uh, he convinced me to get on there. And I like it for what it is. You know, it's kind of a cesspool of dog shit, too. So like if you got to kind of build your feed of people that you know that you want to that you want to see but like most of the people that I follow are psychedelic contributors. You yeah. Know, people artists things like that. So Right. Yeah, I need to maybe just do more of Twitter cuz I I'm just not like I, I don't I, even tweet really. It's yeah. just, I just kind of get on there to kind of see what the news is. Yeah, you know? I usually just share to Twitter from Instagram. Okay. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, For I, sure. I have like no followers or I don't I don't, I don't have a bunch either. I mean, it's all all like local friends, you know. Yeah. Like I, remember, I think I got, I don't know, like some, I don't know, Shane Moss retweeted me or something. And I was like, Yeah. Or Duncan Trussell. That's it. Yeah, Duncan Trussell dude, retweeted. Duncan me. Trussell. I'm like, Oh. <laughs> 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 so, dude, those are fucking. Both of those names are like pretty big names in the space, right? No doubt. No doubt. Shane's yeah. my guy. Like I, I'm a huge Shane Moss fan. Yeah, dude. So you guys saw him up at the symposium. We did. Yeah, we had an opportunity to go hang out with him, and uh, well, what was interesting was is he showed up. I was like drinking in some kind of DMT talk from one of these, uh, you know, uh, uh, PhD candidates from Michigan that were studying where DMT is found in the body. And, uh, and then I saw Shane kind of walk in. So I'm sitting in an auditorium, I'm sitting above him and I'm texting Steve. I'm like, dude, Shane just walked in, get him. Cause, cause Steve wasn't in the auditorium. And so next thing you know, Steve's texting me back. He's taking a selfie with Shane. And, uh, you know, I was like, oh, that's awesome. You know, and, and Steve was like, we're good, man. We had a chance to talk to Rick Doblin there. I got a picture with Shane. This weekend's a success. Everything's good. We end up going later on that evening. They, they had a uh, show called uh, Magic Medicine. Okay. Which uh, follows Dr. Robin Carhart-Harris, who is a um, researcher at Imperial College in London. They do a lot of psilocybin studies. And uh, this movie followed uh, them doing psilocybin studies with people with treatment-resistant depression. Hmm. And what was kind of interesting about it was it was a really objective look at it. 
So, um, my heart's racing right now. It's weird. Uh, <laughs> I'm just trying to sit with it. Uh, so basically they took out of like 22 people, 18 of them had like drastically reduced their depression or, um, had, had gotten rid of it completely. But the, oh, the wow. movie itself had focused like on like the, the, the four that didn't have great luck or the three that didn't have great luck. Oh, really? And, uh, so it was like this really objective look. Um, which was good. You know, it was, it's great. I think that's an important thing for people that are kind of inside the psychedelic circle that can see how beneficial these things can be. I think it's important that we also, if we're trying to change minds that we're not just, you know, we, we, we give them an, an objective look at it. Right. See it all. I'm guilty of that because Me it's, too, it's man. like, Oh man, it's all fucking great. It's all, well, it changed my life in such a profound way that I am too. Like, I, yeah, but you also don't want to be a charlatan, you know what right. I mean? So yeah, we go to this movie premiere. It was awesome. Uh, this guy, oh man, can't think of his name. Uh, this professor, this other professor from Johns Hopkins came up kind of after the movie, answered some people in the crowd's questions about psilocybin. Um, and their studies aren't the same as the ones from Imperial college, but there's a lot of crossover there. So he was able to kind of answer some of the questions that came up watching this documentary. And then, uh, and I had seen like this six foot five dude that looked like he was dressed you know, look like he was from Seattle in 1996, kind of like <laughs> walk in in the shadows. And I'm like, oh, that's got to be Shane. Yeah. That's, that's just kind of his MO, you know. And uh, and so I, I saw him and I told and as the as the movie ended, like he was walking out. I ended up like two or three people behind him. Steve had gone to the bathroom ahead of him. And then I heard Shane kind of tell this gal, like this gal was just trying to get a piece of him. And, <laughs> and Shane was like, hey, OK, great. I got to go to the bathroom. And then, you know, Steve went in there, was talking to him, came out. And then Shane was like, hey, we're going down to a tequila bar. So we go down to this tequila bar. Well, well, so so Steve's like, <laughs> I walked out. Shane was in, had already left, and Steve's like, uh, Shane just invited us to this uh, tequila bar down the street, and I'm like, oh, oh, really? I was like, they're gonna give me the home field advantage and push the fences in, because dude, me on tequila, like that's that's me at my most confident, my most <laughs> chatty. I'm like, perfect. This is gonna be great. <laughs> so so we end up going over there, and and it was just Shane there at that point. It was Shane and us, and uh, we order up some tequilas, man, and it just we just hit it off right out the gate. Yeah. Steve cuts a joke. He's got Shane laughing, and if I know my partner, he just wants to make the funny man laugh. Like he, <laughs> he that that's his deal. I, I know he's so as soon as oh, he yeah. got that first laugh from Shane, oh, you know, like, like it was on for sure. Yeah, oh, he yeah. was hooked. And so, uh, so that's awesome. You know, like we're having a good time. Uh, and then one by one, oh, the people at the bar that were sitting there, they left. So now it's literally just. Me, Shane, my two buddies that were, you know, Steve and then our buddy that came with us, Tony, up to Michigan. So we're sitting there, and then one by one, all of these researchers that put on this whole symposium just start coming in the bar. Oh, nice. Dude, it was awesome. So, like, on top of that, also these other contributors. Um, you might have seen here recently, like, um, there's been a big DMT study that was just published, just released from Imperial College. Dr. Chris Temmerman was the guy who who ran that study, and he was actually giving those um, the notes from all of these studies, basically unveiling the science at the psychedelic symposium. Well, like last week, it just went out, so it's been shared with everybody who shares any kind of psychedelic content. Yeah, and there were some questions that I was wanting to ask him there. I had no idea he was going to be there, so he walks into the bar, and then the dude from Johns Hopkins walks in. So it was like everybody that was there, except for Rick Dowling, because he'd already moved on to like the next conference or whatever. Yeah. So we're sitting at this table and we're all just sharing stories. And what was really cool in that moment was that every single one of these people, doctors and, you know, 
PhD candidates, people that whose life work is is kind of centered around psychedelics. Yeah. They were just as interested in my anecdotal experience as I was in their, you know, recorded scientific experience. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, man. I mean, it's all we're 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 all learning to kind of together. Totally right. I mean, totally. It's it's interesting because like anecdotally, like we actually kind of we already know. Oh, no doubt about you it. You know what I mean? And if we if we wait to progress at the rate that the government allows us to, right. we're, we're never going to get anything done. Right. So, so much of this science, um, there. I mean, I think Paul Stamich just put an uh, app out for people that are interested in microdosing called microdose.me. And it's a Isn't way for everybody, yeah, it's for everybody to kind of log their microdose experiences. Yes. And they're just basically trying to build this, this giant net of information for them to base sound science off of. Right. And it, that's why the anecdotal experience in this, and, and also because we're trying to quantify the ineffable yeah. with that experience. So it's already <laughs> very hard to put into to words and, and on paper. Um, it's so important to get everybody's viewpoint, right? Like yeah. we're all this... We're, we are all the universe experiencing itself. And so um, every degree of difference that each one of us has doing that offers something valuable to that to that information download. Yeah. You know. Man, you know, that statement, that would make sense why so many people have such similar experiences. Totally. You know what I mean? Totally. I mean, it's a subjective experience with very objective uh, coincidences that happened in it. Right. You know, whether that's... I'm always kind of apprehensive to tell people like, okay, well, this is what's going to happen. Yeah. Some people are very um, dogmatic in their approach to explaining the, the psychedelic experience, but I've, I've seen such weird, unbelievable things happen in my own experience that I, and, and, and having heard so many other people kind of give me theirs, like, I don't know what's going to happen for you when you take this experience. I can tell you what happened for me, but I'd rather you do it first and then we'll share stories. I know? like that idea. Yeah. Yeah, because you're not I don't want to. I don't want to paint a landscape for you. I'd much rather you come back with your experience. Yeah, and I've done know? it the other way, and I'm like, sure. oh, man, that's not the right way to do it. Totally. I, I feel like I totally fucked you up. Totally, yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, and also, like, I've also had ideas based on prior experiences at certain doses that uh, dosages that I thought I was going to kind of experience this one thing, and then I got turned on my head, you yeah. know, and I had this totally different experience. So, like, I've learned my lesson with that shit. Yeah, yeah, it's much easier just or better even just let people just experience mm-hmm. it and then, then and we'll, then ha- we'll have a then we'll have a sit down. Yeah, then we'll yeah, discuss it. For sure. Yeah, dude. Um I made that real big mistake with um with like DMT like telling people cuz like I don't know if it's maybe because like I'm just more um I don't know what the word is, but like I it's acceptable. I don't know if that's the word I want to use. I don't know why I can't think of the word, but either way, like I I experienced it like it was just very easy for me to like blast off and like mm-hmm. cross over. But like I've had some, I've I've been with some people and and they did it and they're like I don't feel anything. Mm. I'm just like I don't I don't know what I don't understand. Like it's like for me it's just easy to accept it and just yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah, that just recently happened to me where someone was like, yeah, I don't really get it, and I'm like, I'm like, oh, and, and they they said like, okay, so if someone was really trying to party and really trying to see something weird, like. What would what would you recommend they do? And I'm like, dude, you just did it. Like, <laughs> like, well, what are you what, talking? What, is, what do you mean? You know. So, <laughs> I, but, I mean, and there's there's there could be a, a multitude of reasons for that. You know, and I mean, it's also important that people understand going into it if they don't have a bunch of experience with psychedelics and mixing medicines. Like, if people are on a ton of SSRIs or have a history with SSRIs, 
um, you know, it's very possible that their dopamine receptors and their, you know, are, are depleted, you yeah. know, and it's, and it's not going to work the way that it would for someone with otherwise, you know, kind of healthy yeah. neural network where whose dopamine receptors are firing, you know what I mean? Right. That's all, it, that's all it's working off of. Now, can't, can't, can't like the psychedelic like help with the, the restarting of those receptors? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah, I, I, I think so. Um, I mean, I'm not... I'm not good enough with science to be able to say why that would be, yeah. um, but but totally, I think that there needs to probably be a, a, a some kind of time in between, you know, yeah. where you're kind of off of those. Like nobody would, like if you were going to travel to a an ayahuasca retreat or something like that, they would, you know, they would want to know those things. Also, for anybody listening to this, like you know, just like with your doctors, be open and honest with your potential medicine, you know, people, your, oh, 100%. your, your, your coranderos or your shaman, um, because there are very real consequences for, for mixing those things yeah. um, that you don't want to, you know, fuck with. So. That's true, man. Oh, man, I want to fucking go to Peru and do ayahuasca. Yeah. It would just be a very interesting experience. Yeah, I mean, it's it's popping up, you know, in, in more and more places, even closer, a little bit oh. easier to get to. You oh, go yeah. To Costa Rica, man. I mean, there's oh, some man, really great places. You can do it here in the States. Sure you can. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I may or may not be attending one in, the, in about, you know, in, inside of a month or so. so. Oh, that, that sounds like that might be cool if you did. <laughs> it might be. So it might be pretty rad. It's been, I'm, I'm way far removed from that medicine. Um, and, I mean, I've, I've had two experiences with it. Um, they were both really great yeah um i have a <laughs> i have this weird thing where i um envy friends who have hard trips who have like bad trips yeah i call um, them challenging experiences. Chal- they, they, they are challenging um because me like i like of, of so ma- yeah man i mean I'm, I'm guilty of like just kind of i'm very comfortable in that space yeah. when i go there i feel like i'm like in my la- like the last few times i've done dmt like i'm like oh i'm home like which is weird it's a good feeling, though. It's a good feeling. Yeah. It's a good feeling, and it's kind of like when it's done, you're like, oh, man, I wish I could oh, go I miss back. that place, yeah, man. I want to go Dang, back. Man. I know that feeling a little yeah. bit. Yeah. 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 The last few times I've done psychedelics, it, um, it left me kind of depressed afterwards. Yeah. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm just going to chill on those for a second. For sure. So I think that's super important. It's I, in a little bit better place. I did the same thing. I, um, um, I was very irresponsible. I kind of broke all of my – I don't have a ton of discipline in my life. Um, but I do when it comes to medicine. Yeah. Um, and I broke kind of all of my rules and all of my disciplines. Which kind do? of, and I, I mean, it was like three days of tripping, dude. Oh. And, and I, and to, to sober up. So, so, <laughs> so like the, okay. So, so to kind of give you the, 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 the deal on that, like, um, I was, I was on a pretty healthy dose of penis envy mushrooms, which are the most potent strain, I think pretty objectively. And I was having a good time, but I was having a hard time with like just the crowd. Like there was a bunch of people around. Um, oh yeah. And it was it was just kind of a lot for me. Yeah. But I had created the space for people to kind of go and chill out if the crowd got to be too much. So I had the foresight to do that. Yeah. Um, and I was able to kind of get away from it. And then um, someone approached me with some DMT, <laughs> and I, I did it. And I had just an unbelievably magical DMT experience. Okay. It was really awesome, man. It was like one of the coolest, like visually stunning, cool experiences I've ever had. Let me ask you this. Do you keep your eyes open or closed when you do DMT? Um, I typically go closed. Me too. Um, I typically. Like this, I feel like yeah. that's the only way to leave this So plane. like that first hit, I you know, like um, everything kind of tunnels in. Mm-hmm. And then that second hit... Um, I have this 
like almost a tessellation, like where everything gets real geometric and then geometric and then starts to fall apart. Mm. And then by that third one, then when I actually blast through, then I, I just, I'm along for the ride. And I, and actually I've had it to where it didn't even matter if my eyes were open or closed. Like I just, I wasn't there. there. Yeah. Yeah. So I had this DMT experience and ultimately it kind of like afterwards, it kind of sobered me up like to the point where like I wanted to get back to the crowd and I wanted to go sing songs and dance with everybody. And so like, I was like, oh, this is cool. Yeah. You know, I was able to go and enjoy the company of others and enjoy the party that I was throwing. And it was great. Um, and it was cool. Night ended great. Woke up the next day. <laughs> and uh, the party just kept on, man. And ended up doing some LSD. Um, That's an all day. Man. And it was an all day. Well, I knew I was in for the whole day anyway. All day. So I was like, cool, man. Whatever. I got 14 hours to burn. Whatever. <laughs> you know, might as well hit it with a life sentence. So I threw, <laughs> threw a life sentence on my tongue. And, it, you know, it was, and then, by the way, like, a few other people came up to me, oh, you want to try some of my LSD? I'm like, oh, duh, yeah. So, like, you know, throughout the day, like, I'm just I'm just dosing more and more. Um <laughs> And all of it was cool, man. Everything was fine. By the time we got back, and we were, we had spent a day on the river. By the time we got back, um, you know, I was um, I was feeling the effects of just a full day in the sun, but I was still in a great headspace. And uh, and then like and then there was like more stuff coming out. You Did know? you sleep like, that night? Uh, well, kind of. I mean, I, I, the night before I did. Um, and then after kind of doing all that, I was tired and I'd been drinking too. Like, oh, but I really? was tripping so hard that like, I never got drunk. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I just, like, it was a chemical shit storm happening inside <laughs> of me. You know, it was like all of these things that I would, ne- I would like, I would shun, I would, I would like wag my finger at somebody for doing this <laughs> shit, you know? And then like, you know, there's like MDMA coming out and, oh, like, and so like, I'm uh, trying a little bit of that and like. I don't have dopamine left in my body at this point. Like, I'm just running on chemicals. And uh, I remember it kind of, I remember everything was kind of getting away from me a little bit. And I was starting to kind of zombify. And there was a lot of people and I'm walking around and and uh, I'm just kind of, I'm also kind of hosting a party. So like I'm trying to be a good host. Yeah. I'm trying to make sure that everybody's good, even though I'm not good. And I'm not communicating to people who are also like kind of experienced with medicine and stuff. Like I had safety nets. I I had the, you know, the people that could have went and said, hey, guys, I need you to hold some space for me a little bit right now. Like, I'm, I'm kind of fucking hurting. I, you know, I was, you're, but I didn't do that. I just, like, kept it all inside, you know. Too fucking strong, Too bro. fucking strong. Like, I'm the leader of this fucking Masculine. pack. I'm a, yeah, yeah, fucking ignorant is what it was, you know. And um, so, oh, fucking light bulb goes off in my head. I'm like, well, you know, last night uh, when I smoked that DMT, I sobered right up. <laughs> And so, so we're still on day two. Yeah. What time? What, at what point did the MDMA come? It's actually kind of day three, but like the first day, I didn't really, I didn't party too hard. So, uh, okay. what time did the MDMA come out? So we're so we're 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 in day three now. Yeah, we're like we're this is like the last day. Got um, it. Okay. And uh, so the MDMA came out like later. It was actually at a good time. Like we'd all eaten. Okay. You know, everybody was kind of ready to start partying. I don't know that. I mean, there was maybe only a couple people that were on my level. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? You're, but I'm still like trying to. You're on a hold. I'm still kind of trying to hold it together. You know. <laughs> And so, like, I had these ideas. Uh, I had this idea, this brilliant idea that DMT was going to sober me up. And so I go back down to my little space and <clears throat> I do this DMT, man. And, and and just to rewind a little bit. So, like, my first one, I'll kind of give you the, the gist of what happened. Do you okay. remember? I, I don't know. Well, you're not that much younger than me. But, like, Windows 95 used to have this screensaver. might have been on 98, too, where it was like a maze. And you went through this maze, and when you came to a wall, like, the wall would drop, and then you would go through it. And you, mm-hmm. So, like, that's I was in, like, this maze, right? And I had no control over my body. And the walls were, like, stained glass. 
that were like backlit. And I mean, it's super vibrant, bold, primary colors. Um, not like a really, you know, sp you know, blended spectrum of color. They were, it was pretty cut and dry, like blues, reds, yeah. yellows, you know. And I'm floating through this place super fast. And I'm going through this like maze and like up above. And I don't really do entities in my trip space. Like I don't see a lot of gods or anything like that. Sometimes they're not really. Um, uh, but there was like this weird fucking jester character, which is crazy, man. Like when I, when I follow these different psychedelic artists on Instagram and stuff, like sometimes they'll paint some shit that I'm like, motherfucker, I've seen that. Yeah. I've seen that thing. I know that. So that's, like, that's when it gets weird for me. Yeah. You know? So, um, and up above, it was almost like he was like a, like a puppet master. Like I was just like a marionette that he was just dragging through this labyrinth. Like, uh, you know, like the, the labyrinth game where it's like a wooden box and you're trying to get like the silver ball to get through it without falling through the hole. Yeah. That's what it felt like. And I'm like, so I'm like the silver ball and he's just pulling me through. It was crazy. It was cool. Kind of like this weird carnival music kind of going on. <laughs> um, strange shit. So that was like, that was the first night and it was fine. I came out, I was like, okay, that was strange. It was cool. It was strange. You know? <laughs> well, the second night when I, when I go to sober up, um, I hit it, I hit it again, hit it the third time, pew, blast off. I end up in the same spot, except this time the fucking lights aren't on and no way's home. So like, it was like the same place, but all the colors were super muted, almost like, uh, almost grayscaled, you yeah. know, but there was still a little bit of color in there. And I'm going in it, and, like, the carnival music is way off off key. There is no entity there, and I'm just wandering aimlessly through this labyrinth. Which, fine. I can. I know I'm going to be fine. It's great. But then, dude, I fell out. Like, I, I fell out of this space, and I, I was floating in this void, man. And it was, uh, I was... I was literally just floating in the black. And it was the most... It wasn't like floating in despair and it wasn't like floating in hate and it wasn't like floating in love. It was like floating in pure fucking indifference, man. Like hmm. my existence didn't matter. Nothing that I've ever thought has ever mattered. Nothing oh. I've ever done has ever mattered. The, the family that I make doesn't matter. Nothing matters. This is what it is now. Oh, and buddy, man. I was floating around in this for so long that when I came out of it, God damn, I've never been so happy to see my friends in my life. And they're like, you know, they're kind of expecting me to tell them about my journey. And I'm like, how long was I out? You know, and they're like, you know, six, seven minutes, dude. No big deal. And I'm like, fuck, man, if it was one eternity, it was fucking ten. Like, I was, out, I was out for two eternities in that time. And it was, <laughs> I mean, at that point, I was, I was done, man. And, like, I, I walked out, and it felt like I'd fallen asleep, like, inside of the, of the dream, uh, inside of the trip. And, uh. I'm kind of walking back up towards the crowd and my buddy walks up to me and he's like, you good. And I, he's got, he's kind of an experienced traveler. And I kind of tell him what happened. He goes, Oh fuck. You fell out the bottom of it on. Huh? I'm like, God, dude. Yes. He goes, Oh, that is the worst. And I'm like, thanks for the encouragement. Yes, it is. You know, like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's the fucking worst. Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> so anyway, like, and then like Steve comes up to me, he's like, Hey buddy, you doing? He's having the time of his life. He's Steve. He's jumping around, <laughs> yeah. he's bouncing around. He's doing okay. And I'm like, I'm a hollow man. <laughs> uh, and he, and like the look on Steve's face, like I'd never seen somebody so terrified, man. Like, and he was like, he, he was convinced that I broke myself. And, and in that moment I did. Yeah. And dude, um, you know, I went up and I saw my fiance and I, I'm kind of telling her, you know, okay, babe, like I'm, I'm still trying to just be the leader, 
You know, people are still coming up. They're still – and, man, everybody that's talking to me, it's just wah, wah, wah. It's just fucking nothing. Yeah. I can't hear anything. Yeah. I'm out, you know. But I'm at the same time smiling, nodding, all right, man, giving people hugs. Like, And by the time I kept telling, you know, Miss, I'm like, all right, babe, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to bed. And she's like, okay, well, you've told me that seven times in, like, the last 15 minutes, you know. And I'm like, okay, cool. I, and I also – there was also this thing where I didn't want the party to end. Like, I was, you know – just surrounded by people that I love and we were all having this amazing weekend and, and everybody's story that they're sharing with me they're just talking about how great this whole weekend was and how thankful they were and in that I couldn't enjoy um, you know something that uh, that I had created that had made so many people so happy I just felt just empty yeah and fucking you know just I, I was sad so I woke up the next day and like cleaning was a chore it was really hard to kind of break everything down Watching people leave, like that was literally, I was weeping. You know, I, like I had to walk away from. I was weeping, crying. Like it, I, every time someone left, it felt like just a piece of me was being ripped away. And I was like, uh, you know, I was just so fucking irresponsible. I was so mad at myself. And luckily, yeah. I have enough experience, kind of reading on, on this stuff, like enough knowledge of this that I knew what was physically happening. You know, and luckily, also there were a couple of kids who were like festy kids. You know, and like this one dude just kind of saw me wandering around camp because I was trying to clean shit up but like instead of like getting a basket and loading a bunch of shit in the basket and go I would like walk over grab a candle and then walk like 800 feet and set the candle down and then walk back and grab yeah. like another candle and yeah I was fucking I was lost yeah you can get your thoughts together at oh all. Dude, dude I was I was just zapped yeah, you know and this and luckily like this fest this guy who you know grew up on the festival circuit was like hey man he came over to me he could see He's like, you need to eat this. And I'm like, I'm good. He's like, no, no, no. Your brain needs food. You need food. Like, you need this. And, and then a friend came and gave me some 5-HTP and, like, mm-hmm. gave me some, you know, just things that I I, I, I knew that I needed to take. So, yeah. luckily, I had that. But uh, I did absolutely. have a really hard, like, next 24 hours of just, like, what the fuck. But I guess if that's what it took, like, even my fiance said, man, you've, since that experience, your your personal growth has been tremendous so like there's this weird uh thing right where like fuck i know like this is why i envy my friends who have the challenging journeys because there's always so much growth that That was a challenging journey it was a challenging journey and it was and it pisses me off what i had to do to get to it right like that's, that's such a fucking ego trip dude i get it you know and so like i don't uh you know, I, I I don't tempt those fates. Like, I'm not like, I don't beat my chest. Is that all you got? Because, I mean, I've been broken by it. And it's a scary motherfucker, man. It's scary. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I you know, I, I there are certain substances. Uh, a while ago, I decided that I wasn't going to take these things recreationally. I think that there are certain substances that, you know, are can be an exception to that. But there are certain medicines that I absolutely don't and haven't for a long time. Psilocybin is one of them. Like, I don't take mushrooms for fun i haven't taken mushrooms for fun outside of that little camping trip where i took a few yeah um the idea wasn't to really do it for fun i was actually going to go kind of sit down and meditate for a little while and kind of get my shit right yeah um set and setting wasn't great um but like you know you wouldn't like just drink ayahuasca and go to the club no, you know what i mean like it'd be awful you know yeah. and psilocybin for me i have that same relationship <clears throat> with mushrooms that i do yeah that that many people do with 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 ayahuasca and i actually hope um, as they become, because psilocybin is a much more uh, sustainable medicine. Yeah. Um, that I hope that you will see more and more people building ceremonies around psilocybin. I had the idea to build a cer- ceremony, my own personal ceremony for me and kind of a close group of friends around psilocybin 
about six years ago. Um, and ever since doing that, I'm like, oh, shit. Like, it's just as powerful as, as ayahuasca is. It's just Dude, psilocybin gave me my most difficult journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Yeah. It was very challenging. It was because, I mean, I think we talked about it the one time. Yeah. I, I just made bad choices. That's the deal. Yeah. I mean, most of the time, you know, you, you, it's, like, it's if you don't respect this shit, like, powerful, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna get reminded real quick <laughs> how small you are. Yeah. You know, and, and, uh, and so... Um, you know, but like, like I said, and I mean, I, I experienced a lot of personal growth. I always feel like the most challenging ones, like, so after a good trip, like it's, it's great. And it's always fun kind of trying to put it, define it, you know, but after a challenging one, like if for me anyway, my personal experience, like when I wake up the next morning and I look at the sky, it's just that much bluer. The air is that much crisper and I've got shit I got to do. Like yeah. that's, that's like okay, well, these are the things you got to fix about yourself, about your broken-ass self, you know, like, um, and sometimes you get to have a good one. But, man, like, there's nothing quite as humbling and as motivating as a challenging experience. Yeah, I think the last few times I've I've done psychedelics, I just get this overwhelming feeling, like you said, like, I keep telling myself, like, none of this fucking matters. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, dude, none of this matters. And I, I try to, like, use that in a positive man, like, in a positive way in the sense of, dude, none of it matters. You can do whatever the fuck you want to do. You, totally. can, you can totally go do it. But then I'd, sometimes I'd just be like, man, but what the fuck for? <laughs> yeah, man. I had an interesting uh, – I tried ketamine for the first time this yeah, year. Yeah, how was that? Uh, it was the most beautifully unique, psychedelic, uh, dissociated experience I've ever had. Um, and – I had a very similar thought where I was like, oh, fuck. Like, none of this shit matters. Yeah, you know, dude, like, like, none of this shit matters. Very e- nihilistic. Economics. Right? What the fuck? We're all just what playing a game. Dude. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. And like, and so, but, like, if that's the message, you get to kind of uh, process that. You know, you get to choose how you process that. You can either be like, well, fuck it. I'm not playing this game. Yeah. But you still live within the game. So, I mean. You have you, no you, choice. Do you want to play the game or do you want to just lose the game? That's that's really your, those are your two choices. Yeah. I mean, some people are able to kind of remove themselves of it. But at that point, you've won the game. Uh, in other words, like you've you've found a way to be self-sustaining, to, to you know, find a way to be you, get paid for it, and be able to eat on it. So, You're you know, trying to do. Fucking right. Fuck that's I hope that's what everybody's trying to do. Yeah. You know, I was I, I grew up a kid, like, everyone's like, hey, get a job. Get a good job. Make sure it has insurance. Make sure it pays well. Like, but, like, how many, you know, luckily, I grew up in a family of business owners and things like that. So, like, there was another voice that was like, oh, man, you make your way. You know, like, yeah. no, fuck that. Like, yeah, <laughs> it, ain't, it ain't about degrees and it ain't about, you know, how employable you are. It's about what kind of value you create for other people. 100%. You know. That's really what it's about. For sure. Yeah. For dude. sure. So, like, in this ketamine experience, like, I had that thing where I was like, oh, none of this matters. But then at the same time. I was doing it with somebody that was, uh, I don't, idol's a weird word. I don't want to say idol, but like somebody I really admire and, uh, with a international presence. And like, I, I found myself all of a sudden, like I had put myself in a position to be able to go and do this. And then I was there and I was doing it with that person. And so that was kind of fucking with me. Like now all of a sudden, like my reality was kind of folding in on itself. I'm like, wait a minute. Am I actually, is this person actually here? Am I actually doing this with them? And also kind of knowing that person's history, you yeah. know, and knowing that they had a kind of a break with reality and shit like that. Cause I've listened to hundreds of hours of their podcast and, you know, like I feel like I know them way better than they know me. And like, as I'm questioning these things out loud and, and he's like, I assure you it's all real. And I'm like, Fuck. It's all real. Okay. Okay. Well, if that's the case, if it's all real, okay. 
okay, well, then that means that there's nothing that separates me from the people that I admire. Nothing. Not, like, I'm not, I'm not trying to sit down and have conversations with Albert Pujols. I'm not trying to play baseball with Albert Pujols. There's a physical barrier that keeps me from contributing to what he does for a living that I just will never cross. Yeah. You know what I mean? But in this intellectual arena um, where people – where I've sat with people – who are um, leading voices around the globe for this kind of research. I've seen those people equally as interested in my methods of getting there and what I've brought taken out of it as I was in them. And so, you know, like that immediately followed me saying, oh, fuck, I know this is real too. Oh, it's all real. Oh, shit, if it's all real, then what's keeping me from talking to the people that I want to do? And then inside of a month, I was, you know, know, talking to Shane, hanging with Shane. Then I got Rick Doblin. Rick was my... You know, Rick was my holy grail, dude. Like, when we started doing this, like, I'm like, well, fuck, if there's anybody I could just sit down with and ask any question, I think it'd be this guy. Yeah. I mean, there's some other guys that are kind of on the tier, but not really. Like, I mean, that was like my He was dude. your number one. I'd like to have a few more. And so, I, I mean, you know, looking at Steve afterward, I'm like, fuck, okay, well. Time to get the board out and put some new names on it. Yeah, well, that's my vision board right there. I had to put a whole bunch of new names on there. I just right sat down with Andy Frisella, dude. Like that was my it's number awesome, one dude. name. I on know. It. I, it was it was cool too because I think they happened within like a week or two. Yeah, of each within other. a week or two of each other. I'm like, Fuck yeah, we're doing things. It's the dude. universe, bro. And it's awesome. And the thing is, when you do that, you quickly realize they're just people, just like you, and we're all in the same. Like, there's nothing that really separates you, yeah. other than just like maybe exposure, totally, and time, totally. Like that's it. Totally, and all of us are kind of running the same, uh, not maybe the same race, but we're running a similar race, and some of us are just a little further ahead. That's it. And uh, and sometimes, like, it, it's, you can kind of, you can catch a draft, man. It's like NASCAR. You can catch a draft <laughs> behind that car, you know, and then all yeah. of a sudden it doesn't take quite as much gas to stay, to, to go at the same rate as them. Mm-hmm. They'll pull you along with them. And, uh, like, that was, like, first off, I can't speak highly enough of Rick Doblin, like, because I feel like he is, um, first off, he was doing the work before it was in vogue. Like he was doing oh, this man. in the yeah. early eighties. He went because nobody, because he saw a potential problem. Like he, MDMA was already being developed to, to combat depression, but it was also starting to catch on in Europe as a, it was, as known as Adam. It was a super popular club drug and just following the same, um, you know, the path that all other drugs, uh, you know, and how the government has treated them. Like, well, if kids are having fun on this, then we're going to have to do something about it. So he was like very forward thinking in that and knew that this shit was going to come up. So he basically went and he sat in the courtrooms, you know, sat, sat in on these meetings with, with the, with the DEA and with the different scheduling agencies. And he was like, basically a proponent for like, okay, Hey, I hear what you're saying, but right. Like these have tremendous value. Um, and he fought for it all along and he was trying to get, you know, the FDA and the DEA to um, approve, um, you know, these studies because he knew how viable it could be for, for treating depression. Um, and he got rejected like five or six times. Man. Oh, yeah. It took a whole decade of, of, of being rejected, rejected. And then kind of slowly they were like, okay. And I mean, this has been a 30-year process, and now they're in stage three. Yeah. You know? We're getting close. Um, we're getting real close. And, I mean, you know, he, I mean, out of his mouth, like, you know, by the end of 2021, maybe 2022, we should have clinics, clinics pretty well over all over the country. And their yeah. big vision is, like, maybe 10 years out, is that those clinics don't just offer MDMA. They offer a whole, you know, whole a whole spectrum, yeah, of, spectrum. Of, of different psychedelic medicines. Because, you know, what works for me, what my, what, what medicine – the efficacy of each medicine is, is dependent on different people. Some people, 
some of my best friends, like, you know, ayahuasca is their end all be all. They get all of the answers on that. I mean, I feel like I've gotten much more profound work out of very high doses of psilocybin than I have ayahuasca. And that's not to take away from that. It's just the way that psilocybin count, you know, acts with, with my body versus the way DMT acts with my yeah, body. Yeah, we're all individuals. Totally. You know, and, and, and there's also something to be said for there's a, you know, a million different ways to brew ayahuasca. There's different ways, different ways, different MAOIs to put in there. There's, there's different harmalines, different, you know, things that, that affect our body differently and, and, uh, change the experience differently. So, um, you know, hopefully we'll get to a point where you can go in and maybe it's ketamine, maybe it's MDMA, maybe it's psilocybin, maybe yeah. it's, uh, it might be, they are actually doing ayahuasca trials. I, it'd probably really? be a long, yeah, they are over in Europe. Um, so that's really interesting. That's yeah. cool. And they're also doing some DMT studies, but I don't think the DMT is so much being used for like depression studies as it is. They're just trying to figure out what this fucking weird chemical is doing, Yeah, you know? um, which is cool. Like it's I great. It's got to be done. Like the, the guys uh, from Michigan, a couple of the graduate students. So they were trying to map where DMT was coming from. And I, you know, a lot of people think it comes from the pineal gland. Um, and so is that they're, true, though? they're doing it in rats and actually what was pretty cool, man, is I was sitting with these guys and it was really cool to be able to get in the weeds on their research because yeah. I wasn't sure if I understood them correctly, but they actually removed the pineal gland out of, um, out of some of the, the test rats. Yeah. And in the rats that had it removed, not only was there a significant amount of DMT still in the blood, but there was significantly more DMT in the blood when the pineal gland was removed. So what mm. they could say was that what they could say definitively was that it doesn't depend on the pineal. The human body doesn't depend on the pineal gland. Too. For some reason, I want to. Th I think it's the liver, dude. There's all. I mean, there's all I kinds like of. Maybe different I heard places. that. Possible. I could be totally making that possible. up, though. I'm I probably mean, making that up. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure. I think it's present probably everywhere in your body. Probably. You know? Um, yeah. Now, where it's being produced, I don't know. Who fucking knows? That's interesting, though. For sure. So, yeah. it was kind of neat to hear that, you know, to hear these guys. Oh, yeah. like, like that's These dudes are, are fully funded doctorate students. Like, that's their deal. And what the guy was saying was that the most basic science experiment that you could ever do for DMT, like, hasn't been done. So, there's... So much breakthrough science, yeah, you know, to be done and recorded and published. Yeah. Like you could take a cell, put it in a petri dish, drop DMT on it, and just see how the cell reacts. That study hasn't been done. Yeah, you know, like so, like the the idea for them is that there is, um, I mean, it is a it's a huge uh, uh, frontier, you know, that that they still get to go and yeah. pioneer. It's exciting times, man. You're seeing a lot of cities, you know, legalize yeah. psilocybin and different things. So. No doubt. It's it's pretty cool, man. I definitely Rick Doblin is definitely one of those people I wanted to sit down with from the get go. So I for sure will try you, to sit down. You with can him. do it, man. Um, oh, for sure. I mean, he that was the other thing. Was, Everyone's in California, dude. You just gotta like take a trip and like go out there for a week or two. If you just put yourself in a position to be where these guys are, yeah. Um, conferences and I mean conferences, things. whatever you know, whatever yeah. they might be. Um, you're gonna they're like they're. I I put Rick on a pedestal that only exists in my brain. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because I've admired him from afar as just like this kid who, you know, fucking ate mushrooms 20 years ago and then like slowly came into like, whoa, what is this maps thing? And then like, then uh, Amazon came out with Smile and they were like, I'm like, well, I, I just want all, whatever I can donate extra that I'm not really thinking about. Like, so maps has been my my Amazon Smile donation for, you know, for six, five years since Smile came out. And only because I truly believe in, you know, uh, this organization that has raised, you know, uh, $75 million, I think, is how much MAPS has raised. Oh, wow. Time. $75 million, dude. He lets you know where every, like, every penny's going. 
Oh yeah, you can you can go and track it all down and like there's also like dude I I've already been using Dr. Bronner soaps like for a long time but like now I'm super happy to use Dr. Bronner soaps and like that's the other thing um that psychedelics do and cannabis does um and that is it marries people who like may differ in political thought um may differ in a bunch of different you know kind of societal what they feel like should be societal norms but anybody who's actually been wowed by the experience, like they understand the importance of this. Like I, I, I me and uh, David Bronner probably don't agree on much as far as, you know, uh, you know, how we should move forward politically or or. But we guarantee we, I guarantee you we agree on how important this is. I mean, he's putting his money. He's got the money to put there, but he's donating a quarter of a million dollars pretty regularly to these different movements, whether that's. Um, you know, decriminalized nature out in Oakland, whether that's, you know, the, the Denver for psilocybin, uh, you know, initiative that, that, that passed pretty favorably. There's big shit going on in Oregon right now. I mean, there's a, there's a very viable psilocybin market that's about to pop off. I think Chicago also, right? I think they did. Yeah. It's yeah. Just Chicago just, uh, did a bunch of, uh, basically natural psychedelics. Yeah. So if it grows in the ground. You, you know, you, you can't be what they did was they essentially same way with Denver. They they stripped all of the funding from the prosecutor and from the law enforcement agencies yeah. to prosecute or or jail people for these wasting time and resources. Stop dude. it with that. Shit. Yeah, dude, it's fucking crazy. We already have laws that punish people, punish crimes. Yeah. Right. And so you can do it like you do it with alcohol. You can trouble the punishment. You know what I mean? Like if 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 something is done under the influence of, of these things, OK, fine. Great. Yeah, punish the crime times three. Who gives a shit? But don't actually punish the the possession and the use of it. it's fucking that's nonsense. Well, the idea that you can outlaw nature and yeah, you can crazy. and you can police people's consciousness. It's crazy. It's who gave you who gave you the reins, dude? You can't even keep drugs out of prison. Yeah, right. Like, For sure, we're always going to find a way to alter our consciousness For in sure. one form or another. You should talk to uh, Seth Ferrani. He's a local dude, but he's. Uh, he was a convicted LSD kingpin, spent 23 years in jail. He's a, oh, he's a vice author, and he's written tons of books. He's a local dude. I'll get you set up with him. But, oh, wow. Like, yeah. hear his story, dude. Um, and, I mean, he did hard time in hard prisons, you know, um, all because he sold acid and weed. You know? It's fucking crazy. It's fucking nuts, man. Dude, yeah. It's fucking nuts. It's cool to see where we're going, though. I, Dude, MDMA is one of the – like, I haven't tried that yet, and it's super high on my list. It's, like, one of those things, like – Within, and this is for the listeners too. Like we're not saying go do psychedelics, but no, you, actually, uh, it, you know, if anything, I mean, no, seek out, you know, seek out the experience if it calls to you, but just don't. Yeah, well, and sourcing is of the utmost totally. importance, right? Totally. So that's always kind of one of the things with me. Like I'm just like, hey man, I'm, I'll be patient until I find the right totally. source. Dancesafe.org, man. Like uh, that's for anybody listening. Like it's a the the organization's awesome. Actually, and they were at the Drug Policy Alliance where we talked to the Dob one. Yeah, um, how was that? Uh, it was really cool, man. Uh, I, I actually wish I made a little bit more time with it. It was kind of tough with, you know, with my nine to five, but, uh, it had some really great speakers. Um, really cool people there. A lot of, I mean, it was just neat to see once again, you know, a lot of people from a lot of different walks of life with a lot of different challenges in their lives kind of coming together and, and all agreeing that the draconian drug laws that we have, the war on drugs, the amount of money that we spend on oh this shit, and the idea that it's doing any good. It's not. No. I mean, we were in the middle of an opioid crisis, and never in the history of time have we ever spent more money trying to, to, to enforce drug use. Yeah, you know? lobbyists, um, dude. And so, you know, it's... I mean, I, I posted something on our page today. There's kind of some... There's some cool movements going on, but we if we, want, if we actually care about... 
um, the family members that we've lost to overdose, if we actually care about the people that we fear losing to overdose, then we have to change the way that we think about drug use in, in, in general. Yeah. Um, because you're not going to stop it with guns or jail. It's not going to happen. No. Drug dealers don't create the market. Uh, willing users create markets. And um, so the, the sooner we start teaching people about safe drug use um, and, and have kind of some, some avenues for people to be able to do that. And I'm pretty extreme on like what I think should be legal and what I think shouldn't be legal. <laughs> um, and I mean, I'm very libertarian in that, in that regard. Like I think what someone does with their own consciousness, with their own body is kind of their own business. It's like making suicide illegal, right? You yeah. know what I mean? Like not to equate drug use to suicide. Cause that's definitely not the message I'm trying to put across, but it's the idea that like what you do people are, body. yeah, what, what I do with my body, I'm a sovereign being. I have I have uh, complete agency yeah. over myself, um, and uh, I get to make this choice. Yeah. So it's a healthcare know. issue too, right? It's, it is. It's not a fucking. It's not a penal issue. Like not why are we? No doubt. Making. I mean, Portugal made it that way it's a long time ago, case. and actually, drug use is gone down. If if it's gone, you know, even if it's it hasn't grown, hasn't grown. Um, if anything, it's stagnated or gone down. And but the what what has drastically dropped are the number of deaths. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, if we're a compassionate society. I mean, isn't that really the goal here? Yeah. And the whole idea that um, you're always, like, when you start throwing, like, the kids in the mix, like, you're worried what's going to happen to the kids. Like, when you start destigmatizing these totally. things, the, the kids don't want to run to it. You know I, I mean, mean? I, I think you'd be hard-pressed right now. Like, I think that as you look at this latest kind of young adult generation, I think you're going to see a lot less drinking, uh, oh, yeah. a lot less even cannabis use. I don't think it's, like, very inv- – I, I know as a kid, and I was never like, oh, I'm, you can't tell me what to do. Like, I'm just going to do what I want to do. There's part of that. But I feel like, yeah, as you destigmatize, you kind of take the shine off of it a little bit. Like, yeah. man, even me, like, even as cannabis is becoming, and I think that cannabis is a uh, unbelievably important medicine for a, a wide array of, uh, of uses. Um, but, like, as I've become more and more involved in the movement and at the different conferences and things like that, like, I would, I'd be lying if I didn't say that, you know, the shines kind of come off a little bit. It ain't the same thing that it was when I was a younger kid. Oh, like not now, at all. now it's a business, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Um, psychedelics still have a little bit of that flair because there's still a taboo to it. No, yeah. But I'm happy to sit with you and have the conversation. We were talking about that. Like, I do, I have kids, you yeah. know, like, is it the smartest idea in the world that I talk about this stuff all the time? Uh, maybe not. But like, I'm hoping that we're progressing to a point that. People can look at me, realize that I'm trying to be responsible about this, um, realize that I'm trying to have very adult conversations with scientists, with people that actually know what the fuck they're talking about, oh, instead yeah. of the people who are just trying to make it this uh, this big scary thing that's going to kill you or whatever. Yeah. So hopefully if I carry myself in a, in a way, I can become a steward of information that, I mean, here's the deal. What, um, you know, what is more convincing to a, a group of 50, 60, 70 year old uh, grandmothers and grandfathers who have a, um, you know, who have a grandson who is addicted to heroin and they're afraid that, you know, they're, they're not sure when his last, you know, his last shot's going to be, you know. And then when you show them something like Ibogaine works at like an 80 to 90% clip yeah, that's of a, removing people that's a challenge from open experience. Fuck yeah. But so what, right? Yeah, like, it's better than dying from we, fucking overdose. We brought from shock to awe to St. Louis last January. And our goal was to fill the theater with first responders, veterans, you know, um, just victims of PTSD. We've all experienced trauma. 
almost, I mean, everybody. And, and, and uh, Dr. Gabor Mate, he talks about how, you know, people say cannabis is a gateway drug, alcohol is a gateway drug, bullshit, trauma is a gateway trauma, drug. Trauma, yeah. And, and we've all experienced trauma. I like to and, sit down with him too. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah. Fuck yeah. And, and I'm, I'm sure he's happy to share. You yeah. know, like, sure, like, that's the whole thing. I put these people on a pedestal. 30 years ago, Rick Dobbin was probably just looking for anybody to listen to what he was saying, you know, and now like to be able, like the fruits of his labor, that there are so many up and coming, just like inspired people that want to have this conversation with him and pick his brain about this stuff. Yeah. I'm not, he's, I'm not, uh, you know, putting him out, you know, like if anything, it's something that he gets to celebrate. It's just a matter of whether or not they have the time, right? Totally. Just connect with them. But yeah, dude, trauma, like, yeah, dude, that's, that's a it's a real, it's a, it's an underlying cause of all of these different, like everybody's story that has, that has any kind of addiction. It's related to an escape from some kind of trauma, whatever it is, you know, and yeah. they may not even know that, like they may not have even grown up in an environment where, yeah, you know, mental health was a, was a conversation that was readily happening. You oh, know? for sure. Yeah. I mean, a lot I mean, of people, a lot of people, that, still you know? um, a lot of people think it's a weakness, you know, yeah. to go see a, a therapist or, you know, to, to, to talk about these kind of things. Um, so I think that there's like this really cool thing that's happening where we're all turning on a little bit, um, where men aren't afraid to show emotion, you know, yeah. where we, where we have like real warriors who are, um, kind of releasing that stigma too. guys like Aubrey Marcus and Joe Rogan, like they're they're interviewing some of the baddest dudes on the planet that could pound for pound, just rip your limbs from your body. But at the same time, like those dudes will sit there and have a real conversation, talk about the the shit that scared them in their life, the things that have traumatized them, the things that, you know, uh, keep them driving. And, and maybe, you know, you see these guys tear up and cry through it, you know, like this, it's a whole new generation that's oh, yeah. coming up, man. And it's, it's pretty fucking powerful. And then yeah. as soon as these guys start to realize how much chicks dig that shit too, like they're just going <laughs> to dial into that even more, man. Fucking so, game changer. For yeah. real. We're living in new times, dude. It's new times, brother. And it's exciting times and it's important work. And, and to kind of just go back to that, when we, when we brought that movie, um, you know, from shock to awe, buddy of ours, Matt Cayley, he's been on the show a few times. We actually had a chance to hang out with him in Kansas City at the Cannabis Showcase last week. Um, you know, these dudes did some shit in Iraq. They saw some shit in Iraq and Afghanistan that they cover in the movie. And if anybody hasn't seen it, please take the opportunity. I think you can get on Amazon Prime. or There's plenty of streaming platforms from shock to awe. Um, but they it, it, it documents these veterans going through ayahuasca ceremonies. Um, the, the wives of veterans, the wives of people with PTSD or the spouses of people with PTSD. They're, they're experiencing extreme PTSD as well. Oh, yeah. They're um, living and in so, a different way. You know, one of the spouses uh, does uh, assisted MDMA, you know, um, uh, therapy mm-hmm. and has like this profound thing. So, like, that's what this documentary kind of covers. Um, these guys did some real work in there. And um, at the end of this movie, to see, like, there was a bunch of firemen, a bunch of police officers, a bunch of veterans kind of dabbing tears out of their eyes because it's a very fucking hard thing to watch. But at the end, Steve and I had, like you know, probably five ladies that were ranging from 50 to 70 years old. And like, they were actively asking us about Ibogaine. Like, what do you know about Ibogaine? Mm. Well, Ibogaine wasn't even fucking, it wasn't even a subject on the movie. Like, so like these gals are already doing, doing some research, some research because the kids that they love, their family, 
you know, they're they're victim to this, uh, you know, this epidemic, this opioid epidemic. And people can fucking roll their eyes at that as much as they want, you know, about yeah. how drug use is a choice and it's not a disease. They're fucking wrong, by the way. Once that shit gets its and chemical hooks Once it gets its hooked in you, you're fucking hooked. Yeah. And, oh, by the way, our doctors, our medical care professionals, that everybody who doesn't believe in any of the, 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 the Eastern, maybe mystical side of things that yeah. just need hard science. Well, guess what? Hard science got us uh, fucking dosing people up with mad opioids and, and SSRIs and benzodiazepines and all of these different things to yeah. counteract the side effects of all of these different things. Like, I, the, the answer lies somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Between the, between I have a hard time even the, listening to doctors these days. Like, I mean, they know what they know, but they, like, they're educated in a pharmaceutical model. It's very reactionary. It's, it it's essentially sick care, not health care. Yeah. I had a doctor one time, I was telling them I wanted to get, like, a full lipid panel and just get blood work just to see where, my, my, like, my markers are so I know where I'm at. And he was basically, like, trying to advise against getting certain blood work tests done just because he's like, well, if you're not having these symptoms, then I probably wouldn't recommend getting it. He's basically like working reactionary. He's like, if you're having issues, then we would check that. But yeah. it's, it's like, it's just the model that these guys totally. work in. It's just, it's not really healthcare. Totally. You know what I mean? Yeah, no doubt. And I mean, I, the first time I went from an MD to a DO, like I didn't even realize, you know, a doctor of osteopathy, like, they they treat medicine totally different. Like you know, yeah. if you're having this symptom, like you know, a what's your diet like? B what's your you know what's your what's your stress levels like? Like they they just kind of approached it. So like for me, that was super refreshing. Like it was a guy that still went to the same amount of uh, school as any MD did. He can still prescribe medicine. He just kind of like was trying to look at it from a much more holistic approach. Yeah. Like your whole, your body is an entire organism. That's how it should be. Totally. Yeah. Totally. And not and to there mention. There are a lot of good doctors out there. There are a ton. Too. Yeah. It's not to find them. That's the whole deal is the answer is somewhere in the middle. If you're, if you're all the way in on the, on the, you know, the mystic side of things, you're probably going to die. And if, <laughs> you're, if you're all the way in on the Western, you know, pharmaceutical side of things, you're, well, actually, if you're in on all of the, you're you're always gonna die. But yeah. it's it's it depends on yeah. it depends on you know kind of what you're approaching. But there might be an answer on this side that is not, you know, uh, right. gonna, gonna come from that side, and vice versa. Yeah. How many people, um, you know, Colton, you know, Colton Turner, we've had him on our show a couple times. He was cannabis person of the year two years ago. This kid, they told him just make yourself comfortable. They were totally okay with resigning the fact that hey, this kid's just gonna die from Crohn's. We got no way to fix it. Yeah. And then, you know, his mom happened to find some study where maybe cannabis was having some effects. And next thing you know, within, a, you know, months, it was a complete reversal of his Crohn's. A oh, complete wow. reversal. It's a, dude, it's a super compelling story. Yeah. Um, another kid you should talk to, man. It's a great, great little sit down. Um, and he's a polished kid, too, because he's told us, like, he's had to s sit in front of Senate chambers and things like that. Tell Excuse a story. Me. Tell a story. Because yeah. they said, hey, you know, he actually looked the senator in the eye and said, if I follow, excuse me, he said, if, if, um, he goes, without cannabis, I, you know, this, this, this senator basically said, well, if it's not legal, you know, then I'm not okay with you taking it. That was what the senator, and he said, without cannabis, I'll die. And he goes, well, I'm sorry. Like, that was, that was what, and as this dude just turns his back and walks away. Now, as fucking a parent, crazy. like, if I'm standing there, if someone fucking told my kid that, like, Dude, I'd well, beat the, I'd beat the any, brakes. How can you tell any, any human? human. Yeah. But I'm talking like a 15-year-old kid, 14-year-old yeah. kid. Like, I'll beat the brakes off of your ass. Yeah. You know, like, and <laughs> I'm a physically violent guy, but seriously, fuck you. Where, Where's your heart? Yeah. You know. Um. So, 
man, like, so it, had he not sought that out, he was just, they, they were just okay with just saying, hey, it's fucking crazy. You're going to die. And that shit, that shit hits home with me because had I been a little better educated when my dad got sick, I wouldn't, I knew that cannabis was going, could help. I knew that it could help in some degrees and it did help them with his appetite, helped him with his pain relief, helped him with his anxiety and sleep. sleep. Yeah. But in reality, because of where his cancer was, he probably should have been eating cannabis. And I just didn't, didn't know, know enough that. about RSO or FICO oil um, in order to kind of get him on a regimen like that. Because I would have given everything just to be able to, like, if I could, if I have a regret, it's just that I didn't know enough about it. And, like, nobody that I become friends with will ever be short of that information. I just had a phone call with my mom the other day, which that's when, you know, shit's fucking awesome. Because my mom's like... You know, so-and-so's husband got some really bad news, and I just feel like, you know, we need to get him some... Now, my mom has, like, never fucking used cannabis. You yeah. Know? Like, she was cool with that, with dad using it, you know. Um, it definitely opened her eyes to it a little bit, because his nausea medicine was, like, 2600 bucks a month. It didn't fucking help at all. No. You know what I mean? They couldn't afford it, and I'm like, I got your nausea medicine. Right. You know? And yeah. um, so, like, she saw, like, in, in real time, you know, all it takes is for that shit to land on your doorstep. And then all of a sudden, you know, it, yeah, it, it means it something. Starts working. It's, it's, a, it's a different game. Yeah. So she called me on Thanksgiving, or I called her on Thanksgiving morning, tell her happy Thanksgiving, whatever. We're having a conversation. And then it segued into this, you know, this talk about, hey, what can we do? Yeah. Is there something we could give them? I started educating her on FICO oil as I'm driving through the country roads, whatever. And, like, you know, it's it's a glimmer of hope. And if you want to change people's minds who have been given bad information for fucking five decades, right? You can't be mad at people for, for, you know, uh, believing everything they've been told. Yeah. It's for a challenge. Their whole life. Yeah. It is challenging. There's, there's a lot of misinformation out there, but there's a, there's a way, you know, to convince them. Yeah. And, and unfortunately sometimes it has to hit home. It ha- it has to land on their doorstep. Unfortunately. For yeah. yeah. But it doesn't necessarily, I mean, as we show more and more people, and as I think as world leaders kind of wake up to it a little bit, and you know, I'm still hopeful, man. I think by you know the next election, I th- I think that we'll have some movement at the yeah. federal level. On I it. think eventually the narrative will change. Like it can't persist forever. It's already changing, right? Yeah. So that's really good. And then it, it, as you know, new generations come and old generations that's the deal. go, it's just gonna eventually kind of fade itself out that way. But there's so much information out there, dude. No doubt. It's, it's hard to keep up with it all. No doubt. Yeah. Well, that's the, one of the cool things is is that we get to kind of, you know, people cuss social media. Um, they celebrate social media. We get to kind of make our social media feed look like we want it to. You yeah. Know? Um, it's like a good and a bad thing. It's a good and a bad thing. Like, right? I, I talked to you about how I'm afraid I, of existing in an echo chamber where everybody agrees with me. So, right. like, I still keep the things that, like, are challenging or, or you know, uh, um, you know, or, or, you know, challenge my beliefs a little bit, but for the most part, man, like 80% of my feed yeah. are things that make me happy and things that inspire me and yeah. think, you know, and, 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 uh, uh, like, man, I watched, uh, Thanksgiving, like I haven't watched fucking, uh, you know, broadcast TV and I couldn't tell you how long. Yeah. I mean, yeah. um, and so like, you know, whatever, we're at the family's house or at the in-laws, you know, uh, my brother-in-law's got the football game on screen yep. and, Every other commercial, every other commercial was pharmaceutical. Yeah, dude, dude. it's, it's crazy. weird. It's weird. Like it's like it's, it's like, like every this, dystopian. This is legal. I'm looking around like this is fucking legal. Like this is happening right now. Every dystopian future movie that you've ever seen, where like, <laughs> where that shit, like, 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 it's happening in front of us. And I, and like, if you don't get out of the matrix for just a minute to be able to kind of yeah. see that, 
Like Dude, it, it's, it's just normal to him. Yeah. Like that's just like if if nobody's had that break, like it's just normal to him. I haven't. I've been. I've got cut my cords six, seven years ago. Yeah. You know. And now know. like everything's. You know. Like now they've made it to where you've got an a la carte. Everything can be streaming. Mm-hmm. But now they're finding ways to get ads back in there. They're again, finding ways. You know. For sure. And so it's like, all right, well. Dude. Get, the older we get, the more relevant that movie is. Totally. Dude, I just understand it so much more. Yeah. I'm just like, what the fuck? Yeah. This is the Matrix. Black Mirror hits that shit, too. Like, oh, uh, dude. Like, it's my jam. You know, oh, that's yeah. my, like, my favorite show on right, Netflix. Like, and, like, they've got some really poignant, like, they imagine all of the things that they imagine to their worst case scenario. I'm like, ah, all of these are kind of happening like in some way, shape, or form in society right now. Yeah, dude, that one episode of Black Mirror where they do uh, – uh, you have to rate everybody all the time. Like you're. Constant. That's the one that got me hooked. It's I'm just the like, first episode of season three, and that dude. shit's happening in China. Oh, dude, social currency. It's fucking crazy. Yeah, Ooh. dude. You know, if that was real though, I'd be fucking banking. I'd be banking. <laughs> everybody loves me. Well, that's I mean, that's the deal, right? <laughs> like that's the idea. Is I mean, and it's it's it is a real thing. Like as uh, guys that are podcasters are trying to put content out there. Like yeah, people that are our fans have no idea how valuable their like and review is. Oh, man. They have no idea. If people who are listening would just fucking go and leave a rating and leave review. Leave a review on the Outside Perspective podcast. Guys, just just do it. You know, go to Apple Podcasts because that's the only one that matters, really. Right. Or, or you can go to YouTube and subscribe. Sure, sure. yeah, do that too. <laughs> I mean, but, I mean, it's, it's really – so, um, you know, somebody – I think um, Andrew Yang was talking about it, but, uh, you know – the idea that Facebook is not paying each individual user for all of the data that they're mining eventually, like if there could be some, some recompense for that, uh, you know, there would, there would, people would be more apt to use the, um, you know, to use the, like there's, there's a kind of a model there for, for a universal basic income just because of how much you're sharing and how, because that's all they're doing. They're just farming data. I can't, oh, there's dude, a, there's a Netflix so documentary money. right now. I cannot, Steve turned me on to it. It's fucking terrifying, but it covers all of Cambridge Analytica and how they basically have swayed elections. And ah, gosh, I'll have, I, I can't remember what it is right now, but yeah. it, it, it basically shows the value of our data. The data industry is bigger <sighs> than oil. Dude, it's, it's more huge. valuable than oil. Every Fortune 500 company has yeah. a big data department. Yep. They're all aggregating data. They're all yeah. sharing data. They're all selling data. Like, it's fuck. There's more data available than anybody could ever really totally. actually, like, sift through and no comprehend. And but they can also, they can also, like, pinpoint it. Like, yeah. down to whatever. <laughs> you can figure out trends in different things. Yeah, totally. it's fucking crazy, dude. Well, and that's where I think, you know, the blockchain is going it's, to it's a game changer and i don't know if my generation's going to get it i think my kids generation will um the decentralized internet um platforms like steemit have been paying people for likes in their in their own cryptocurrency for a very long time hmm. you know i would love it's my goal right like we got the fucking dream board my dream board is to move all of these people off of facebook's platform yeah. into a decentralized platform where we have a community yeah. where people can be a lot of people don't understand how cryptocurrency works and that's fine. But what they, what they, what I can, or what I can hopefully get across to them is like every time you like something, every time you share something, it's actually worth something like it's worth something in this world. Yeah. And so if I can, if I can convince people, you know, um, especially like just start with our little community of 2,100 people. Hey, come over here with us. 
you're going to check in with with this and and Facebook got their claws in the right way, right? Like they built this totally free platform where people could connect with family and friends from all over. Man, I lived in Springfield, Missouri for half my life. It was a perfect way for me to stay in touch with all of my family in St. Louis, all of my childhood friends, all of that. And now, as we've all grown, and now we're even in further, you know, more remote corners of the globe, they've just made it so easy for me to check in and yeah. see where all of these people are. So, like, the idea of everyone being like, ah, I don't know what it's going to take yeah. to get people out there. Because Facebook's actively silencing free speech dude, well, every are, day. Are you familiar with net neutrality? Yeah. Yeah, dude, and like you know how that was like it was what revoked. I think it was yeah. revoked, and then that was upheld. That yeah. is that is so uh, people forget about this or don't even know about it because it, it was a big deal. That that was one of the things that it didn't matter what side you were on, everybody agreed, but it still happened anyway. Well, there's actually kind of a uh, that's even that's scary too. There's a there's an argument to be made on the other side, but we'll get in the weeds on that another time. But like, um, companies like Facebook and Google can afford any large company like that they can afford huge heavy burdensome regulations that startups will never be able to compete with right you know um and so it's taken like this 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 group of internet cowboys to start creating things like bitcoin and things that have like when more people understand like the tangible value of 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 a decentralized currency that doesn't have a a bank that can inflate or deflate the value of it. Yeah. Um, which is what's all fucked up right now because as soon as a private bank, that's called as soon as, you know, as soon as, uh, exactly. <laughs> but it, like, as soon as Goldman Sachs and everything, like, people were talking about how volatile Bitcoin is. Well, half of the reason is, is because, you know, we don't have the same rules for trading cryptocurrencies. They're starting to come along as we do for trading stocks and bonds. So it was so like so Goldman Sachs and all of these other giant banking, uh, you know, companies would go in and they would just pump and dump, man. They would just run Bitcoin up, and get everybody super excited. Everyone's like, "What is this new thing? I bought I had Bitcoin when it was, you know, point zero 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 three of a dollar." You'd be killing if you got put that. Their whole, yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, and a lot of people did. Like, I mean, Bitcoin oh, yeah. and uh, Ripple. I mean, Ripple made a bunch of people millionaires from two thousand seventeen. Into the first part of 2018, if they sold out in January, man, like they might have, if they bought in November on Ripple and they sold out in January, depending on what they bought, I mean, they, they 10,000 times their money. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? Like Damn. it's, it's some people just caught some rushes like that. But what happened was, is everybody rushed to it. A bunch of people made junk coins. Yeah. It's a wild west of currency, but there's going to be some that become stable. Yeah. And there's going to be, there's a new generation of kids that understand that if they want to speak freely on the internet and they want to uh, um, engage in a market, a free market on the internet, it's got to be decentralized. And so there's going to be some coins that come out that make all that possible. Steam, it's a platform that I'm a big fan of, but there's a couple of other ones, you know, uh, social media platforms where, you know, every like is worth a Steam it coin and whatever Steam its value is, you know, yeah, you have uh, to be it is what it is. We'll figure that out. That's interesting. I have to do some yeah. research into that. Yeah. But people, if, if anybody can take anything away from that, your dad is worth a shitload. Oh, fuck yeah, it is. You know, you're literally being mined. You personally are being mined by these by these large companies. Yeah, a lot of people don't even know it. Don't have a clue. Yeah. Well, damn, dude. Craig, you got heavy there for a second. Fuck yeah, brother. <laughs> Get in the weeds. <laughs> all right, brother. Tell the people that can check you out. All the cool shit you guys are doing with Hoosier's Fiskit, all everything that's going on, totally. sponsors, all that shit. Uh You can get pretty much all of our uh, material there. Mycelial Media on YouTube. M-Y-C-E-L-I-A-L Media. Um, 
yeah, we go uh, we go live every Monday night about six thirty to seven somewhere in there. We need to really lock that in. Um, but uh, six thirty <laughs> to seven, uh, you know, somewhere in there we we go, we go live for two three hours depending on how good the conversation is. There will always be some uh, a, a solid smattering of psychedelic cannabis and uh, dick joke talk. And then, um, yeah, and then also on uh, 1010 a.m., also 104.5 FM on Saturday morning, 6 to 7 a.m., Hoosier Sophisticate. Um, There'll be kind of some different content there, some more interviews and whatnot. But uh, you can follow along. And then, yeah, I mean, our sponsors, I can shout them all out. Uh, James Carlton State Farm is the best state farm agent in the game. Lifetime Roofing over in Webster Groves. You need any exterior work, get done. And uh, CBD Canvas Boutique Dispensary. Um, they got uh, three locations: DePere, Arnold, and Maplewood. Um, they got a nice little offering of uh, different CBD products. I think that's pretty much everything. Right on, dude. Appreciate you, brother. Have right, a good bro- time, dude. Always a good time. All right, everybody. Until next time. Hey guys, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Listen, if you are getting value out of the podcast. Do me a favor, if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star rating and review. Also, tell a friend. Just help us grow this thing. Um, Follow us on social, Outside Perspective underscore podcast on Instagram. Go to youtube.com slash outside perspective and subscribe there for our video experience. We've partnered with Convergence Media Group, and man, they have helped us improve our video experience so much tenfold and just everything just the whole show is improving and they work with companies across all industries they help you improve your brand awareness and your brand presence in the digital world they help you with strategy and content creation and they will help you grow your brand so check them out convergencemg.com go to convergencemg across all social platforms let them know we sent you listen they're going to take care of you i guarantee it. Also, check us out, outsideperspectivepodcast.com. Get on our mailing list. That way you can be reminded on when we're dropping episodes or blogs, just so you stay in the know. We won't sell your information. We won't spam you. None of that shit. But go ahead and get on the mailing list, outsideperspectivepodcast.com. And then as always, head over to imposedworld.com. Use the code OUTSIDE when you check out over there for the apparel. You'll save 10%. We are a lifestyle mindset brand, and we just want to help you impose your will on life. So check us out over there. Hey, guys, listen, that's all I have for you this time. Listen, I love you guys. Have a wonderful rest of your day. I will catch you next time. Bye.